He's an avid trader and that's how he started his career in the Indian capital markets. Been a trader for a decade. He along with his brother founded Zerodha in 2010. And it's been a disruptive force ever since then in the Indian financial markets. He's just disrupted the Indian broking industry by introducing zero commission trading. And now it's become number one brokerage firm in the country by active clients and turnover as per the data released by NSC. Uh, Zerodha now contributes more than 10% of the daily exchange turnover, serving over 10 lakh clients. And I'm assuming this is changing every day, Nitin. Uh, Zerodha leverages technology to offer a holistic platform that can appeal to a wider audience through their uh, online education initiatives and its simple product. It's been a game changer in getting more and more people uh, participate in the Indian financial markets. Uh, he's also launched a broking as a service platform where Zerodha's entire brokerage and its technology platforms are now available on the cloud for developers and startups to build their own platforms, the first of its kind in the world. And he's won numerous accolades and the list just goes on and on. But I'll talk about some of the recent ones. Uh, he won the CII Entrepreneur of the Year Award from the Southern region. Uh, Zerodha was also a judge, the Startup of the Year by Economic Times. And last but not the least, Nitin and Nikhil were declared as the richest self-made billionaires in India by IFL Union List recently. So, um, so let's uh, let's begin with the chat. And before I start, uh, again some house rules. The session will be recorded and will be accessible on my website, bhanuchopra.com. And if you have any questions, please do enter them in the Q and A box. So as I go along, I'll pick up those questions and ask Nitin. So, um, so thanks, Nitin, for being here. You know, so um, Nitin, I saw that there has been a, a bunch of uh, media interactions you have done, and you've, you know, spoken at public places, um, and and a lot is written about your story. But I'd love to hear something that very few people know about you, or the Zerodha journey that hasn't been shared before. Yeah. No, I mean. See, the thing is, uh, one of, you know, in this business of money, right, especially when you're dealing with customers, uh, you know, credibility comes through press, right? And in a sense, credibility is very important, right? Because today, millions of people trust their money with us. You know, we are not just a transactional platform. We are almost like a custodian. We're almost like a bank for our customers, right? And, uh, and credibility comes through press. So, you know, we've taken, I mean, if I had an option, I'd rather be in stealth and never come out and show my face you know, and talk anything about it. But, uh, but because, you know, we were forced to go out and talk about ourselves, you know, I mean, I think almost like, you know, every single thing is covered, you know, but, uh, but stuff, you know, which isn't really, you know, which I'm not really proud about, which I don't talk about much is I didn't really complete my college. I mean, I, uh, I don't, I don't say about it uh, ever because, uh, you know, it just sets a wrong example because a lot of people, you know, it was not like a Stanford or Harvard, you know, and dropping out of Stanford, Harvard is a, is a thing, right? As in, you know, but from a, you know, from a third, third grade college, you know, dropping off isn't really a cool thing to do. Uh, I don't really talk much about that. And, um, and, um, uh, 
I mean, yeah, I think I think I can't really think of too many things that isn't being spoken about. I think uh, I I've said almost everything, you know, in the media actually. So you know what um, I, I I'm fascinated about uh, having no sort of revenue targets. I think that's a very um, you know unconventional way of running business, and I think that that'll be a great nugget for our audience here. But I want to go back to something else you said about you know you've been through number of crises and as you can appreciate you know we're going through probably the worst times in in the history of mankind today with the pandemic and you know startup community has been really hurt there's a new research study that came out which said that almost uh, 41% of the startups today are struggling uh, with with cash and um, i think you've been there um, in the various stints that you've tried i was reading that you know when early on when you started your trading career you lost 5 lakhs which was back in 2001 2002 and uh, and yet you know you you continued with it and i also heard you say that that wasn't the first time that happened to you it happened multiple <laughs> times but you still you know stuck by it i mean i can recall the same thing happened to me when i was in my my first job at deloitte in chicago you know i i had picked up uh, also you know trading as well and i lost i lost all my savings all the money that i the all the salary that i had saved and i didn't want to touch it again so how did you you know how did you learn from it how did you just stay at it i would love right. to hear more about that yeah no i mean uh, so i started trading when i was you know 96 97 i was 16 or something like that you know and uh, uh, so by the time the 2001 2002 happened i had saved i mean 5 lakhs in 2001 2002 was a lot of money and i come from my dad was a canara bank manager and stuff like that you know so it you know it was a very middle class kind of a family uh, and uh, the problem i think when i was younger was i was very aggressive um i uh i used to be extremely optimistic about every single opportunity and i was trying to make money quickly and uh, i think that was really you know the big mistake uh, a lot of people make right which is to chase you know like this and that's one of the reasons why i don't care about this chasing revenue as well uh, you know because you keep this money number in your mind you you try to get there you end up you know deviating from what you're supposed to do i mean you potentially can deviate from what you're supposed to do but uh, but yeah to, when i blew up in 2001 um uh, i was with 20 21 something like that and uh, but i knew that trading is it you know i mean like you know once you you're passionate about something you know that you're passionate about it right as in and the next thing for me was to go put trading capital back because you had to go earn some form and uh i joined call center because uh you know back in 2001 call center was probably the coolest job in town because you know uh, that was just when it was all getting started and uh, and also it kind of worked in nights so you could trade during daytime so i was trying to put a trading capital back uh at that time why, why did i go and do that i think you know if you would ask me i think it was foolishness you know i mean i should have probably gone completed my college found a job right because uh you know like i keep saying this you know there's i think a very thin line between being passionate and being foolish uh, you know it works out you're called passionate if not you're called foolish you know so i mean 
if you you know if you look at it today and you say um, it all seems like Nitin, how passionate you are about this whole thing for the last twenty years. But but back in two thousand one, I think I was being foolish to you know go find a call center job and uh, and but you no know, like I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't give enough credit for this right place, right time, and things like that. Right? As in, it's it's so very important. Right? As in, if if I had to start Zeroda today, I don't know if you know if it is really possible to build it today. Right, uh, but yeah, but why did I stick at it? Because I think I, you know, I think it's about finding that one thing you you love doing, and I think it's one of those self-discovery process. Uh, I think I got extremely lucky in my life to have found my calling quite early, right? And I think you know, like even you know, I have a five-year-old son, and uh, the one thing that I get him to do all the time is just to experiment with as many things, right? As in, learn drums, learn guitar, go play football. I mean, just do whatever you want, right? Because, the, you know, you just improve the odds of finding your calling by just giving a shot at as many different things as possible, right? And uh, and I, I, because I know that I got lucky in my life to find it, right? Uh, but I think uh, after that, uh, in 2005, uh, I quit the job and, uh, you know, I had done well in the 2001 to 2005 period. Um, so, you know, some guy gave me some money to manage and I started, you know, building a portfolio advisory business between 2005 onwards. Now, 2005 to 2008 was when, you know, I spent this time in, you know, managing people's money because that was also a good way to make money faster. And uh, today, a lot of people give me credit for not raising external capital. But, but the reason for that is because of that period of 2005 to 2008. Because in that time, you know, I was actually managing other people's money and I hated the obligation, right? I mean, this whole obligation of picking a phone call when someone calls you and, you know, trying to justify why you took a certain decision, you know, I mean, and, and you know, I mean, I just hated it. And, uh, and I also realized that I wasn't performing that well because of that obligation, right? Because every time I had to decide on something, I was like, you know, I was constantly trying, trying to come up with a reason on what I will justify when the customer will call up and say, why did you take this trip? Right. And uh, uh, so in 2008, when we made some money, you know, the first thing I did was return all the capital back right, of all the customers. I said, you know, uh, I mean, that was a tough decision because, you know, there wasn't too much money back then with us, you know, and, uh, uh, but then I hated that, that so much. And I realized that it was also slowing me down. Um, so I think, I think it's about like, uh, whatever I've learned in my life is that, you know, it's about firstly finding your calling and secondly, you know, understand your weaknesses and strengths because uh, I've seen friends who enjoy, you know, who perform much better if they're using someone else's money. Right? I've seen friends who do really well if, uh, if they don't have someone else's money, right? As in, uh, so I think, I think you need to first figure out who you are as a person. Um, and then, if you find those things, it's very easy to kind of stick through good and bad times, right? Uh, like even today, right? Like when someone asked me, you know, an advice, I don't know if I'm really qualified to give one because, you know, anything outside stock markets isn't really my core, core, no, core competency. But in the stock market business, the, the art of trading, investing in stocks is very similar to running a business, right? And I think um, like... I think the question, you know, even if it is too late, I think every entrepreneur should ask the question saying, you know, is this really my calling? Because, uh, because a lot of us, you know, we all have egos, you know, and we don't let go of uh, things very easily. Right. And, uh, and, and, you know, this whole disposition bias, which is, which affects every stock market trader, affects every entrepreneur, which is, 
if you know if if you are making some losses you don't want to accept the loss you want to somehow make it right right which <laughs> which uh, which a lot of us suffer from uh, i think i think i think really right now the post covid world i think are going to give you different types of opportunities to what it was before right and and if someone is stuck in a business i think firstly you know if you think it's your calling i think you should just give it all right and just stick through it but if you somehow doubt it and you feel that you know if someone feels it's it's um, you know you're just trying to get through this period and all of that i think i think it's a, a right decision to have a stop loss in every kind of a trade you know or every business so i mean that's how i look at it and personally i think i got lucky i mean i have no qualms about saying this is that i got extremely lucky to find something which was i was stupidly passionate about and so once you find that right you 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 just uh, you just stick through it <laughs> so so something um, that you also talked about and i've heard you talk about this um, also is about the maximum loss theory where you look at every situation and uh, determine what's the maximum loss and you know sort of make peace with it and then think about what's the solution you know i can you talk a little bit about that but more importantly you know how founders other founders can use uh, this theory in how they go about running their businesses well see thing is uh, i mean that that whole way of living living a life uh, was thanks to trading the markets because when you day trade right uh, every, you know in a day you're probably traded 40 or 50 times right imagine the emotional volatility that you have to face you know where you know you could potentially have a day where all your 40 decisions are wrong right uh, it's just you know it's just it's a uh, i mean i think day trading is one of the toughest jobs in the world because you know because you are constantly being pushed uh, you know to accept losses uh, you know so you know, i realized that you know if if uh, you know if i'm going to get affected by the outcome of every single trade i'm going to burn out as a trader right so uh, so I, i you know that's when this whole way of trading started which is to say that even before i take a trade just take it take a trade in such a way that you know you make peace with the maximum loss you know and because once you do it uh, you know you still have see one of the ways to do it is by trading as little as possible so if i have 1 lakh rupees i will probably trade with 1000 rupees so i am okay of losing 1000 rupees on that trade right i'm okay losing 1000 rupees on the trade because i know that there is 99000 rupees still left on the table right and that's the only real way to trade the markets and and do okay uh, and then that kind of got extended into into my business as well the way how i look at it um you know uh as a, a i don't i don't know if most people understand this but in in the stock broking business uh, the brokers are exposed to unlimited risk uh buying a stock waiting for it to go up and selling the stock is just 1% of the exchange business 99% of the exchange business is actually speculative right where the customer uses 1 rupee buys for 10 rupees of stocks and and he's trying to you know generate returns so the only problem there is if the customer loses 10% on a stock you know he's actually eating into the broker's uh you know money right so it's, it's so the broker is actually you know running that kind of a risk all the time and uh so during the course of zerodha as well you know what i realized was that uh now uh, you know if i don't make peace with these things so every time there's a situation so we've gone through multiple such issues over the last 10 years 
the, the most recent one was, you know, during this, uh, like three, four months back when uh, crude oil went to negative prices. Uh, now we, we lost a million dollars on that day. Right. Um, and, uh, and the only way I could, you know, like my first reaction to my, our team was, you know, as soon as I said, dude, this shit has happened. I said, my first question was, how much did we lose on this? Right. And they said million dollars. And, you know, I just, it took me like a couple of minutes to make peace with it. But uh, once I, once I, I was like, Oh dude, okay. It's $1 million. This, this, this much of a revenue, we can make it back <laughs> and all of that story. You know, I, I you know, once you once, once it was spun in my head, then uh, I reacted the correct way, which is to say, how do we make sure what are the next steps and blah, blah, you know, um, uh, it's helped me. I don't know if, if everyone can really cut copy paste this, you know, it's, 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 you know, I think it's a, it's a way you are wired as a person. Some people, are generally very anxious, very excitable, and etc. For me, uh, being calm is my most important priority. Like you know, because I've realized I'm usually my sharpest when I'm the most calm. So, um, so I, you know, I'm also very intrigued. I mean, I also bootstrapped the company, um, you know, for ten years before we took our first institutional round. But um, now, having been on sort of the other side where we are you know, funded and now, you know, we raised series A and we recently did series B, but it's, I see a vast difference in our ability to attract talent. And, um, and I know you, you mentioned about Kailash, who's your CTO that you got. I think it'd be interesting for people who come from sort of non-tech backgrounds, any tips you have, you know, on how to find that co-founder or that CTO um, and what also interested me a lot is um, that the fact that you really don't necessarily hire from IAMs and IITs, but yet, you know, you have the most amazing product. Uh, how did you really do that? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, see, the thing is, I, um, firstly, uh, how do I say this? Um, I think, like, I think it again comes down to being stupidly passionate about, you know, what you're trying to do in life, right? Uh, I, I keep asking Kailash about this, saying, dude, uh, why did you join us, right? And how did you get sold to my idea that, uh, you know, you should, because stockbroking, you know, is, is Dalali, right? I mean, like, and he's a PhD in artificial, I mean, he's the most, pedi- he's the only pedigree guy, you know, in our business. Okay, so I said, dude, why would you, you know, join a Dalal uh, in 2013? <laughs> so... Uh, no, but but his his answer usually to that is that you know that this whole the vibe of you know when when someone's extremely passionate about something you know you get attracted to that person and I've seen that you know I've I've cut a lot of checks uh, where I've invested into startups and etc where just based on uh, you know how passionate the founders are right and uh, um, so I think one was that uh, see not going and hiring people with this pedigree education background, we were kind of forced to take that path because, uh, you know, there wasn't too much money on the table. Uh, at the, when we started the business, after getting our exchange deposits, uh, paying for the exchange deposit, we had like 20, 25 lakh rupees. So that was all the money that was on the table. And Nikhil, my younger brother, you know, his job was to trade the 25 lakh rupees and somehow put the running cost, you know, <laughs> for the business. And that was his role, you know, when we started the business. And uh, so, yeah, so we were forced to go and hire people at 10,000 rupees, 12,000 rupees. And, but when hiring, you know, people at that, that price point, you know, I mean, I think I still, 
uh, give a lot of importance to attitude of the person, right? As in, like, is this, you know, do I, do I trust this guy? Am I comfortable with him? As soon as I found I'm not comfortable with someone or someone's not trustable, I got him out of the system immediately, you know, because I think that, that, that ethics is, is probably the most important aspect of the business is ethics plus attitude, right? I think, you know, if you have these two things, uh, you know, the rest of the things, you know, people will pick up. You don't really, I mean, we're not building a rocket ship, you know, I mean, it's, it's not like, uh, you know, you need someone with such deep understanding of technology to come to what we are doing. We just need someone who is open to learning new things, right? And who's got the right attitude, who's a team player and all of that, right? So, uh, but the beauty of having small teams is you can take care of them really, really well, right? As an, I know, like, you know, a lot of these people and their families and their uh, you know, and the parents and their sons and, you know, so it's, it's that kind of a bonding and, and you can also, you know, when things work out, you can also reward them really well as in, uh, no one at Zeroda was ever hired, uh, promising a stock option and et cetera. You know? So, but today everyone has gotten it and we've put money in the hands of everyone. Right. Uh, uh, so, uh, but then, you know, if you hire, if people come to you only because you offer a stock option, it probably was a, not a right relationship to begin with. Right? As in people need to come to you because they like the problem that you're solving. Uh, they come to you because, you know, they think, you know, this is a passionate guy. He's building it because you know, if he comes to you for a stock option, he's going to probably move away to someone else. If someone gives more stock option, I'm saying, you know, gen- right. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so I think, I think, uh, that's what maybe we did right, which is, uh, uh, hired people with ethics and attitude. Uh, even when, uh, uh, and I think, you know, this whole pedigree education is overrated. You know, I, uh, um, like, I mean, does really an MBA teach you something? I mean, of course the odds of finding better people is higher. If you go to IM and pick up people versus, you know, hiring people who are 12, I mean, it's, it's a harder way to build a business. You know, you'll probably have to, you know, hire hundred people to find a great guy versus 10 IM folks to find a great guy. Right. So, you know, so the odds of finding greater, you know, better guys are higher if you probably go to higher, better colleges, but we, we were forced to take the other route out. And I was extremely lucky that we found such folks uh, and, and, and we have not hired a single leader from outside. Everyone has grown uh, from within the organization. And, uh, and because people have seen growth, I mean, I think there is generally the pressure to perform as well. Uh, and it's, it's a, it's a kind of a decent culture that's, that's gotten built. Uh, and this was not something I read somewhere. I mean, to be very honest, I haven't read books until like last two, three years. <laughs> you know, I mean, I got introduced to Audible and, um, uh, and then you now I keep telling my mother, maybe if there was Audible in 96, I might have read, you know, when I was younger, <laughs> because I'm enjoying listening to books. I was, I've never been able to sit in front of a book and read it. You know? So, um, uh, so yeah, so it's, uh, <laughs> Well, listen, Nitin, thank you. Um, you know, I know you're a busy guy. A um, lot of admiration for what you have been able to do. I mean, with very, very uh, different sort of circumstances. I mean, you know, I was uh, talking to a, one of my friends in the US and told them about about you, how you built a multi-billion dollar business without really having uh, this tech degree and completely bootstrapping it. And it's it's a phenomenal story and you know i definitely picked up some really awesome nuggets in our chat on how you know you focus on doing the right thing and not really chasing 
revenue and targets uh, and and how you've gone about lots of unconventional you know things to pick up from your story really really um, you know awesome to see what you've been able to achieve um, my best wishes for your continued success and uh, thanks again for taking the time out today hey thanks thanks bono for having me on this <laughs> all right sure. thank you everybody